Good morning, Point Way family. This is Pastor Charlie. Just wanted to greet you this morning on Resurrection Sunday. Got a couple of announcements for you. Obviously, we're uh, online at pointway.org. We'll be doing the service here for the next couple of weeks, and uh, hopefully soon we'll be getting back to, to live. I want to remind our church family that we, you can still give. Uh, you can give online, at, like I said, at pointway.org, or you can still mail your checks in, and uh, we'll take care of those there. Uh, that's important for us as a church family to keep supporting uh, not only the church building here and what goes on, but also our missionaries as they are counting on our support as well. And so if you're able to give, we'd encourage you to continue to do that. I picked a couple of scriptures this morning on a, for our prayer focus. Uh, it's found in Colossians chapter 4. It's a little bit longer than usual, but I think it really kind of helps spur us on, especially with it being uh, Easter Sunday and uh, it kind of shifts the focus uh, a little bit uh, because of the resurrection. So chapter 4, verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. This is Paul speaking. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Goes on to say, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I picked these scriptures, and not so much for ourselves, and we should be praying for our, ourselves that we get those opportunities, but for those today that are celebrating something different than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That we pray for those who don't know Jesus. They don't know the hope of the resurrection. And so I want to do that this morning and just take some time. And if you'll pray with me, uh, I would really appreciate that. Dear Heavenly Father, we do pray for those who are lost and do not know you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, this is a, a different weekend in many ways, and Lord, we just ask that you would speak and that you would just continue to draw men and women unto yourself, those who do not know you, who do not know the meaning of the cross, and do not have the hope of the resurrection. Lord, we just ask that you would just continue to use us as your ambassadors, Lord, that we would proclaim it clearly and that the good news would go out and go forth. Lord, give us the courage. Give us the strength. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning again. It's Resurrection Sunday, and I am so happy to, to be here coming through this medium. I could be upset and um, kind of licking my wounds because, you know, we didn't have our traditional sunrise service this morning. PJ and I did go down by the, the lake and, and did one this morning, and um, it's just not quite the same. And again, same with church here. It's not quite the same, but you know what? The reason that we're celebrating is the same, and so we need to take stock in that, and yes, you're, you're in your homes, and you're with your family, and so there's much to be thankful for, um, again, it doesn't look like a traditional or a normal, what we'd call normal Resurrection Sunday, but 
Today, we are celebrating. We're celebrating a couple different things today, and I'll get a little bit more into that in our message. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke. I know that's a surprise to many of you, um, but if you've been following along, we've been kind of in Luke, and I've used Luke um, Scripture to, to, to be teaching on the last few weeks as, again, Luke gives us those details that, um, that kind of help us understand from a Gentile mind what's taking place and the importance and the details. Luke is a, a Gentile, he's a doctor, and so he gives those details that helps us uh, get a better picture. Now, I will say the resurrection is in all four Gospels, and I would encourage you to read them as it gives you a, a really full picture when you look at all of them um, and put them all together. Again, they're not in contradictory of each other, but they just highlight different parts of it. There's some details that are in each one of them that kind of brings it all together. But again, the important part is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, again, if you've got your Bibles open, Luke chapter 24, verse 1. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Again, Jesus has been buried already. He's been taken down off the cross. He's in a borrowed tomb. And these women, out of love, have waited a day, as was their tradition, and are now going early in the morning to the tomb to put spices. And again, the reason that you would use spices and things was to, to mask the smell. And I got to think that they're still very deep into their grief. They're not rushing to do this. You can imagine that they're walking along and it's probably pretty quiet. There's not a lot of words. No one knows what to say. Uh, their heads are probably down. I think one of the other reasons that they're going early in the morning, because again, in the morning, um, the smell wouldn't be as bad. And they probably wanted to just get it done at this point. Again, not that they weren't in love. They loved what they were doing because they loved Jesus. But again, this is a sad point. There's despair. There's no hope at this point as far as they are concerned. They've lost their leader. They lost what they thought was their Messiah. You know, they witnessed him dying on that cross. So they're in disarray. They're in grief. And they're headed towards the graveyard. Verse 2 says, They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Interesting enough, they, they, they had taken this path to the, the graveyard, and, and, and they knew that there was a stone in front of the tomb, but they had no idea how they were even going to move it. Again, I, I don't know that they were, were thinking in the right mind. They're, they're grief-stricken, and they're headed and then when they find that the stone is moved and they go inside and there's no body, the Scripture says they were just wondering what was going on. They perplexed. Have you ever been that way in your own life where you've come into a situation and 
You don't know what to think. It's just totally unexpected. And interestingly, God sends a couple of messengers for them. Doesn't leave them there in their despair. Doesn't leave them there perplexed, but sends two angels to speak to them. And of course, they're frightened. Who wouldn't be? And interesting, I love what they say here. In fact, it's the title of today's message. And it's some food for thought. But look at what they said to them. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, you know me well enough that there's some application in that in many ways. And again, what a, what a great question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Again, this is Resurrection Sunday, and normally we gather together with those who are alive in Christ to celebrate. Many of us have family members that are believers, and we celebrate with them, right? They're among the living. We certainly don't go to the graveyard and and celebrate today, right? There are dead folk there. They're not there. Their souls are gone. It's just the bodies. Interestingly enough, though, I find many believers sometimes look for answers from those who are dead. And here's what I mean about that. How many times do we as Christians seek answers from the world? If you've been with us in our church, you know I've said this many times, expecting non-believers to act like believers is foolishness. It's not going to happen. You're going to be disappointed pretty much every time. And it's the same thing here. I mean, again, if we're going to the world for answers, they're not going to have them. Not from a biblical standpoint, not from a, a Christian standpoint. Now, I know. I know that God uses sometimes unbelievers to do His will, but they're not going to have the answers. Look at today. Look at where we are as a, a nation, as a world right now. Many of us are looking at leaders to solve this problem. And again, there's all different ways about trying to do that and trying to stave it off. But really, they don't know. They don't know the total effects. They don't know, they don't have a cure. But there is one who does. And again, if our perspective is on Jesus, then we're going to be okay. Jesus is the one that has the answer. He is the living one. We go on a little bit with the the story here. And again, it's a great question. And the angels remind him, remind these ladies. It says, Jesus is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? Verse 7. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day he will be raised again. Then they remembered his words. That aha moment for these women. They, they remember back. That's right, Jesus was telling us about this. He said it a couple of times. He told his disciples the same thing. But again, this is so unbelievable to them. They, they had no no understanding. They, they had forgotten in many ways or had discredited it. 
Again, this is beyond their normal thought pattern. But that aha moment, the light clicks on. Interesting enough that some of these women were the very ones that were at Lazarus' tomb when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. There's some other miracles as well of people being raised from the dead that, that Jesus performed. But yet, for Jesus to resurrect himself was beyond belief. And so now these women, and interestingly enough, Jesus um, reveals this truth to them first. They become now the messengers for the angels and for the Lord. And we pick up the story in verse 9. It says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. Right? There's a group of ladies here. Verse 11, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. All right, this is a hard story to understand. And remember from their perspective. Even though I'm sure many of the apostles wanted it to be true, there was that doubt. Really? And why would it come this way? Why, why would it be message to these, these ladies? Again, they haven't come to that point yet. They haven't gotten that aha moment yet. That Jesus is not in the tomb. That he is alive. He's risen. Verse 12 starts off with Peter. And I, you know, I, I have a, a soft spot for Peter because I understand Peter. Peter runs before he thinks, speaks before he thinks, and does some things that he probably needs to think a little bit more about. But Peter gets up and he runs. Verse 12, he runs to the tomb. Now, Luke doesn't mention it, but in John, John, we know that John actually runs with him. In fact, if you read John's account, John's a little bit faster than Peter. In fact, John mentions that he beats Peter in the foot race. Uh, I think John's a little bit younger in this, and again, that's a little detail, but it's kind of fun to, to look through those things. But Peter's the one that bursts into the tomb. John stops, probably to catch his breath, and Peter runs by him into the, the tomb. And look what it says here. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. See, Peter, even though he went and saw that the tomb was empty, and again, the women had said that, and, and that's confirmation, he still doesn't know exactly yet what took place. I'm sure Peter and John and, and even those that were told, uh, the, the eleven, were probably coming up with different scenarios. Like maybe the body was stolen. Maybe... For some reason, it had gotten moved to another place. But to think that Jesus had been resurrected was beyond their, the thought process at this point. And Jesus, in his loving and compassionate way, keeps revealing himself to them, keeps showing himself. And so if you drop down on the story, and again, I would encourage you to read the whole passage. It's it's a little bit long in length, but read the whole chapter of 24 and you'll get even some, some more understanding and there's some great life lessons in there as well. But I'm going to drop down to verse 25. 
Jesus says to them, again in a second appearance, he, he says to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the, that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said and in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus was kind of rebuking them here and he's saying, even in the fact that all the teaching that I did with you, all the time that I spent with you, all the Old Testament, all the prophets before me were pointing to this moment in time. They were pointing to the fact that Jesus had to go through this. I mentioned last week there are a lot of great passages in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53 points to no one else but Jesus. We even know later on the testimonies of the Gospels, right? Jesus' heritage, where he came from, his line. No one else fulfills the perfect Messiah except for Jesus in every way. He did not sin. He was a perfect sacrifice. And so Jesus is, is trying to convince them now, even with reason, you should have known this. And so they're walking along. Verse 28, as they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going to go on further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. Then, verse 31, don't miss this. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. Again, that aha moment. Just like the, the women had at the tune, now the, the apostles have that same aha moment. And again, whether it was the breaking of the bread, remembering what took place before the cross, right? The, the Last Supper. If that was the moment, or, or the fact that supernaturally, that you know what, I can't wait for these guys to get it. I'm just going <laughs> to open their eyes supernaturally. Again, it's not the, the physical eyes, but it's the, the heart eyes that God is talking about here. And he opens it up to them. And again, he's not standing there as just a spirit. He is there as a person. They can see him. They're, they're having a meal with him. They're watching him eat. They're interacting. This is a real event that took place. Verse 32. Then they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembling together. And they said, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Peter. Then the two, then they told what had happened on the way, and Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Again, those triggers that remind him. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Amazing. Jesus used peace be with you. It's amazing. Jesus uses that phrase often, and 
Again, it's part of the, the Jewish culture as well, but peace. Again, he's settling them down. Hey, I'm here now. I'm back. I'm resurrected. May there be peace with you. This morning, do you have peace? Or are you unsettled? Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Certainly, if you don't, then peace is unattainable for you. You, you can't have that peace. But even as believers, sometimes we, we lose sight of that. We get looking around. We lose our peace. And as always the key, we need to focus on Jesus. He is the one that brings us peace. Again, if you need some confirmation here, and I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit and, and, and kind of give you some more proof not that we need it, but it's good for us to, to understand it, how important the resurrection is. I know even in my own life, I sometimes forget, and I lose hope in that. And you know what? In the resurrection of not only Jesus, but in our future resurrection, there will be peace. Peace unlike anything that we know now. Let's get into that a little bit more. And again, we'll stick here with Luke for a little bit more, and then we're going to be jumping over to 1 Corinthians. Verse 37, They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you have seen. Revealing himself even more to him. He's, he's showing himself. He's showing them the proof. He's convincing them. Again, I'm sure Jesus knew that there were doubts even still going on in their minds. They were still not sure. Is this really him? And so he, he convinced them. He gives them living proof. Verse 40, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of the joy and the amazement, he asked, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, took it, and ate it in their presence. 44, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then, verse 45, aha moment. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Again, he revealed it, himself to them once again. He opened the minds of the apostles. They needed that. They Again, they, they were still struggling. Think of the highs and lows. They've gone through this, this terrible scene, this terrible losing someone they love, from grief to amazement to bewilderment. Yet, they're struggling in their, their doubt. Like I mentioned earlier, sometimes we doubt. We don't have that peace. But here's the proof. Here's 
Jesus standing before them, showing himself, revealing himself, opening up their minds. And before we're a little too tough on these apostles and others, you to remember what it was like before you came to Christ, right? Before you realized that Jesus was your Savior, right? We'd fall into the same category. We didn't want to believe. We didn't understand. Again, it takes an opening of that heart, opening up of our minds to understand what the Scriptures mean and what they say to be truth. Verse 45, repeat it again. He opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, that as written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are the witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Again, he's telling them to go back to Jerusalem. And again, we know if you read in the story of Acts that God gives them the Holy Spirit as part of that testimony, as part of that resurrection, part of that of being a believer. We can have that power to be his witness. We're commanded to. It's not an option for believers to, to not be a witness for Christ. It's not an option. We are to testify, and today of all days is a great day to do that. We serve a risen Lord. He is risen indeed. He's not dead. He's alive. Some years later, Paul writes a letter to a church in Corinth that was struggling with this idea of resurrection. And the resurrection is very important to our faith. As Christians, it's key. Yes, the cross, forgiveness of sins, that's all very important. We need that. That's the first and foremost step. But there's more to that. There's more hope in that. Again, if Jesus had just died on the cross and that had been the end of it, that would have been a lot. That forgiveness of sins, the the need to no longer have to sacrifice animals on, on our behalf for our sins. But he would have been just a martyr at that point. Just someone that we look back on and say, yep, he was a great man, great teacher, prophet. But it stopped there. If not for the fact that he has the power of the resurrection. And not only for himself, but the resurrection for us as well. And Paul, writing to the church in Corinth in chapter 15, wants to, to make sure they understand that. And it's vitally important that we grasp the full meaning of the resurrection. And so, 15 verse 1 says, Now, brothers, again, he's speaking to believers there. He says, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received. On, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to what the word I preach to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. Again, Paul's referring to here the one and only true gospel. 
fact, the translation here, hold firmly, kind of loses some of its meaning, but it, it's with a grip, like with a grip that you won't let it go. Like there's nothing else that you're holding on. Think of it as like if you're in a boat and you're sinking, you're drowning, and someone throws you a, a life preserver, you're going to grab a hold of that, and you're not going to let that go. You're going to hold on to that with everything that's within your being. It's kind of the meaning here. It's, it's that death grip. I'm not going to let this go. And so Paul's telling the church here, hey, hold on to this. This is, how, this is what you stand for. This is what you believe. This is how you are saved. And so he passes it on as a pastor here to this church body. And to us today, the message is still true. It says, for what I received, I pass on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. Right? We just read that. We just read that story in Luke. And now some 30, 40 years later, Paul is writing that to remind them the importance of the progression, right? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried for the third day, and then he was rose again, and we celebrate that on Resurrection Sunday. Again, God had this as part of his plan, all according to the Scripture. It's just verifying what, what took place. It's real. And if that wasn't enough proof, Paul goes on to say, he says, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the disciples. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. And Paul speaking about himself and that vision he had on the Damascus Road and that time that he spent with the Lord. And what Paul's really saying here is, hey, there are still people around that you can go back and check with. It was over 500 people. Don't believe just me, believe them as well. John just is risen. Again, not just one or two people in it, over 500. And we testify to that today. Jesus is risen. He died on the cross for our sins and was raised again. Again, if you think that the resurrection is not important, look what Paul goes on to say. Talks about himself here. He says, I am the least of the apostles. Do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am today. And his grace to me was not without effect. Paul had an aha moment. Paul's life drastically changed. His eyes, his heart, and his mind were open saw Jesus in a totally different light. 
totally went in a different direction. And I'm sure that's maybe your story as well. Maybe you've changed direction. I hope you have since becoming a believer. There's a huge change that takes place when we realize that Jesus is our Savior. It says, by His grace. Then He says, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me, giving God the credit. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Paul is just emphasizing here, and again, he goes on, he continues on to to make that point in the rest of this chapter 15, and we're not going to read it for the sake of time this morning, but hear what he's saying here. How can we say the resurrection isn't real? Because if we, if we do, if Christ was not resurrected, neither can we. Again, as believers, we take great hope in the fact that the resurrection that Jesus has, that will be to us, and that we have that eternal hope, that we'll be resurrected with him in heaven in glory. That is reason to celebrate. Celebrate what Christ did. You are no longer among the dead. You are the living, if you believe this. You put your faith in Jesus. You are alive. And not just today. Alive for eternity. Oh, how we long and should long to be with Jesus. That great hope, hope we have of our future, really helps us keep things in perspective in today's world. This is only temporal. We have so much to live for. We're eternal beings. We have the promise and the hope of being with Jesus. We have the proof through the scriptures, as believers, that we too will be resurrected with Christ. I also think we have a responsibility for those of us who are believers to share that. To share that with those around us that God puts in front of us. To share that good news, to give that hope. And so this morning, as we celebrate this important day, don't lose sight that there are so many that are walking around dead in their souls. And praise God that we are alive. We are the living among the dead. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And Lord, 
we thank you for the resurrection that we can take part in as well. Oh Lord, help us. Help us that we be bold in our speech. That we share the complete gospel. Forgiveness of sins and repentance and the hope that we have in the resurrection. Lord, help us not to lose sight of you. Help us to stay focused on you. Lord, be with your people. Give us opportunities. Give us people in our path that we may share the good news so that lives may be transformed for you. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.